You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Babylon 5 ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to set him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. And so begins. There is a hole in your mind. What do you want? No one here. It's exactly what he appears. Nothing's the same anymore. Commander Sinclair is being reassigned. Why don't you eliminate the entire non-homo? Oh, I see a great hand reaching out of the stomach. Who are you? President Clark has signed a decree today declaring martial law. These orders have forced us to declare independence. That's why people get off their encounter-suited butts and do something. You are the one who watch to Zahadu who will die. Why are you here? Do you have anything worth living for? Think of my beautiful city. Giants in the playground. Get the hell out of our galaxy! We are here to place President Clark under arrest. Turn around. Very, very slowly. Hello, Mr. Garibaldi. Good to see you again. I was wondering how you were doing. Call. Shut up. Obviously, haven't improved your manners. And welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week, we review an episode of the 1990s sci fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 5, Episode 18 The Fall of Centauri Prime. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we, we are, are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis well, what do you think's happened? Mm. I mean, with a title <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Everything was peachy. It's fine. The fate of Centauri Prime is decided between the weapons of the Alliance and the threats of the Drac. And Delenn and Linnea are stranded in hyperspace. They're missing it all. They're going to get back and say, uh, did anything happen while we're away? Anything? Nothing? No? Yeah. Written by JMS and directed by Douglas E. Wise, the episode, this episode was released on October the 28th, 1998 and takes place from August the 14th to August the 18th, 2262. Our guest stars this week are Wayne Alexander as Drac, Simon Billig as Ranger, Damian London as Regent, and Robin Sachs as Natok. So, Sean, what did you think of this episode? I thought this uh, was a pretty great episode, actually. Maybe even better than last week's. A <laughs> uh, lot, uh, lot of Londo stuff going on, though, for some reason. Can't imagine why he's mm. uh, very uh, heavily implicated in this episode. Uh, we get to see uh, Wayne Alexander as the Drock, and of course we know him as uh, I can't remember his name, but he was the first one there that saved uh, John in on Zahadoom. What the hell is his name? Uh, that's a good question, and one that I intend to answer as soon as I think of it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't imagine why I can't remember what his name was on that episode, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so we got the Delenn ship, 
Um, we've got Londo sitting alone at the very end of the episode. Just a, you know what? I just really liked it. Excellent. He says, trying to find. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the guys there. oh I thought it was going to be there. What? That's it. Okay. Uh, so, in the meantime, Dan, what did uh, what did you think <laughs> of this episode? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I really liked it. It's really good. Uh, I, I loved last week's episode. This is obviously like the second part. We always record two episodes uh, when we do it together, and this is one where it actually made a two-parter. Uh, um, so sorry, sorry, sorry oh, there we go. Lorien, Lorien, because he's worth it. Why did we remember that? because <laughs> oh. he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, carry on, Dan. Uh, where was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's part two of a two-parter, which is always a little bit of a letdown. You know, you build up to this big cliffhanger. You don't know whether the, your heroes are going to make it through, all this kind of stuff. So the two-player is always a bit of a down as they try and explain how they got out of the impossible situation. But it still keeps that momentum. So it, it doesn't feel like a letdown part two. It's just a little lower in en energy as we go into the resolve, the third act. Um, so, you know, I enjoy what we find out about Malari, how exactly we're going to get that prophecy of him being old and being choked to death by Jakar that we've already seen in uh, a season ago. Um, we see where the groundwork is being laid for that. We we see that Malari actually chose to save Jakar instead of actually trying to save his planet. And maybe there was a reason behind that and all this sort of stuff. Um we have all of the characters come together and now try and put this plot together. You know, the shadows uh, um, allies are behind all of this all along, which again, it comes back to what I had said last week as well. I kind of feel like they should have figured this out a little bit sooner. They saw the ships leaving Zahadun when they were there and it exploded. They knew that were people out there. I just kind of feel like Sheridan or one of the military or, or Garibaldi, you know, the person who's the good at spotting conspiracies should have figured this out. Um, but there we go. Uh, yeah, it's it's setting up the thing we know was coming uh, that that uh, Centauri was going to stand alone, as uh, Malari says in the very end as well. Uh, but we'll come to that in a moment. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. It was a, a really good. If finally we get to the point where we find out all of these things that have been going on over the last four and a half seasons, four and a half seasons, we it, it resolves. It starts to resolve itself here, and we see Malari finally become emperor, and we see a, a, a sort of um, a, a agreement between uh, Shikar and Malari to sort of get on with each other, but never forgive. We won't be able to forgive him for what he's done, but he sort of he does forgive him. Which is a bit weird when you know what's going to happen in the future. So you'd like to know why is it all gone wrong again in the, over the next few few years. Um, so yeah, it's a really really good episode. It really sort of finally we get there. All this promise that we've had and all these little hints over the years uh, all all come uh, to pass in this uh, episode. So let's uh, find out in our review. And we also find out here that really we didn't know it previously, but actually this is a two-parter because this is at the beginning and I'm going to enter it here. It says, Previously on Babylon 5. Read four Centauri warships. Too many to fight. Ah! 
This is leftover shadow technology, Mr. President. It's an organic device used to control a ship from a long distance. You put two or three of these on board a starship and you don't even need a crew. That's why we couldn't figure out a strategy behind the random attacks. We couldn't see a goal because there was no goal. There was no strategy beyond alienating everyone in the Alliance, turn them against the Centauri so that... so they'd attack. What did they ask you to do? To send away all the ships guarding Centauri Prime on a false emergency and turn off the planetary defense network. Centauri Prime is being battered by the Narn and Drazi forces. Londo finds Jakar and gets him out of the cell just before it collapses. The capital city is on fire. Garibaldi reports the fighting to President Sheridan. He also states that Delenn's White Star (laughs) has been missing for more than 12 hours after being attacked by Centauri warships. Delenn and Linnea are trying to repair the ship, but it is a big job. Meanwhile, the bombardment of Centauri Prime continues while while Londo looks for the Regent. When he finds him, the Regent says that they say it's your turn. <laughs> Can't he do his voice now? They say it's your time now. When Londo asks who they are, the Regent turns around as an alien appears behind him. Londo asks who or what they they are, and the Regent says they are called Drop. Drunk. I know you. You work for the Shadows. They say the Shadows were our masters. We served them, believed in them, loved them. Then they went away and left us behind to escape on our own. But without our masters, who are we? They are a shadow of a shadow, an echo of what was. In the end, what are we but a shadow of a shadow, an echo of what was? Our home, Zahadum, destroyed. We wandered. Then we remembered. This place, we remembered you. They came in considerable numbers. Their masters saw great potential here. They came in considerable numbers with their ships and their associate, Mr. Morden. You remember? Yes. You don't frighten me, Malari. If you try to attack our forces, you'll lose. Yes, your ships are very impressive in the air or in space. Always good to see Ed Wasserback. Oh, exactly. I mean, and again, it shows the, for, the foreshadowing, the forethought of JMS of saying, "You will pay for this. You will. You know, this is a mistake. You'll pay for this." And this is him paying for it. Yes, brilliant. Hmm. And I must admit. Um, I wouldn't have probably remembered that unless they'd shown that clip, because you know you, you totally forget about it. You think, oh yeah, you'll pay for it. Oh, it's one of those 
TV sayings, you know, I'll make you pay for this, Malari. You know, it's it's said in every episode of every show. So you, you sort of just sort of pretend to remind people yeah, that's a that's good. But at this moment, they are on the ground. Right. They're on the ground. But they can sense an approaching ship miles away. So what are you going to do, Malari, huh? Blow up the island? Actually, now that you mention it, The war is all the Drax planning. You just made a mistake, Rondo. Even if my associates lose this war, they have allies. They'll make sure Centauri Prime pays the price for what you've done here today. Allies? That would be you. Then it wasn't you who started this war. It was them, wasn't it? The Drac want a home. Well, maybe they could shack up with these with the you know telepaths. They look that's a good home. idea. Maybe, maybe they could share. Sh- planet. Yeah, they could share. Yeah, that's right. They share the rent. You know, um, you know, one does the washing on the Monday, and the others do the washing on the Tuesday. Uh, they yeah. do the dishes on the Wednesday, and the other people do the dishes on the Thursday. Yeah, that sort of thing. Share share it out. What could possibly go wrong? Mm. Just all these odd couples everywhere with like a little home planner, just saying like, "Oh, you didn't do your chores today. Sorry, uh, that's it. You don't get the treats this week." Yeah, and then and then till one of the telepath they say to one of the telepath or the telepath says, "I know what you're thinking." <laughs> well, oh yes, you do. Stop <laughs> that. <laughs> the Drac want to take the Centauri homeworld and make it. Sorry, and make them the masters of the Centauri while they do their work quietly. Londo says he won't allow it, but the region points out that they have fusion bombs scattered around the world and will set them off unless he does what they say. Uh, what they want from Londo is Londo. Sheridan contacts the Narn and the Drazi fleets and tells them to cease fire. Latok says that they have come here to end the war for President Sheridan. Sheridan said, he did not sanction this and told them strictly not to attack. However, Natok explains that when the ships that guard the Centauri Prime come back, they will be looking for revenge, not explanations. The Regent points this out to Londo. He says that once the Regent's gone, Londo can blame him for everything. He could then issue a surrender order. After all, the Regent had no choice. He tells Londo to look closely at him. As he does, an alien appears on his shoulder. It is like a spider with one eye. Great Reaker. What is it? It's called Keeper. They become a part of you. They can control you. But only when their interests are at stake. You will be free to do as you wish the rest of the time. I live only as long as it is part of me. I have to go now, Londo. No, don't go. The Keeper then removes itself from the Regent, who promptly dies. I have been many things in my life, Molari. I have been silly. I have been quiet when I should have spoken. I have been foolish. And I have wasted far too much time. 
but I am still Centauri, and I am not afraid. Sheridan is told that the Centauri fleets are only 20 minutes away, so he asks to be put in contact with somebody on Centauri Prime. Delenn and Linnea are in a bad way. The power to the navigation system will run out soon, and they will start to drift in hyperspace. Londo finds Jakar, who is still injured. However, he's feeling a lot better. He says Jakar can no longer be his bodyguard and tells him that the regent is dead, and he will now become emperor. He says that when he becomes emperor, it is possible he will never see Jakar again. But he wanted to say goodbye. He says over the next few years, he will see a change in him, as the position of emperor changes you. Isn't it strange, Shikar? When we first met, I had no power and all the choices I could ever want. And now I have all the power I could ever want and no choices at all. No choice at all. Shikar says that the Narns could never forgive Centauri. Molari. Understand that I can never forgive your people for what they did to my world. My people can never forgive your people. But I can forgive you. That was a that was a really nice moment there. It is, and and it, it's it's good that he's he, because basically over the last few episodes, Shikara has seen that all these attacks that are happening now are not Londo's fault, and he's been trying to stop it. So yes, he can forgive him for this. He still can't forgive him for the initial attacks and the way that mm-hmm. that, that he helped out. So yes, but he's now blaming it on the Centauri and not necessarily him. He's trying to make amends. So therefore, as a friend, yes, but as a non. Mm-hmm. Londo then leaves the room and meets the Drac and tells him he is ready. The Drac exposes his chest and pulls out at the keeper. It crawls up Londo's leg and attaches itself to his back. Yeah. Sheridan is told that they have intercepted a message from Centauri Prime to the fleet. There is a there is lots of arguing and the fleet holds position. Then a message comes from the planet. It's Londo, who explains that hostilities have been ceased, as it was the regent, and the regent alone, who ordered these attacks. Now that the regent is dead, Londo is in charge, and has ordered a ceasefire. Sheridan wants to come down to the planet and talk to him about Delenn's ship, which is still missing. Londo agrees to receive the president. When the message ends, Londo talks to the Drac and says what has happened to Delenn, as there was no need for her to die. On the planet, Sheridan asks Londo to do as much as he can to find Delenn's ship. Though if I do this for you, I may someday come to you and ask for a favour in return. Londo, she's your friend too. Our world has been savagely attacked by your people. And you call us friends? Yes, we can still help each other. Absolutely not. The Centauri Republic will have nothing more to do with this, this alliance of yours. We will raise ourselves back to what we once were without your help. If I give you back Delenn's life, it will be an act of charity, nothing more. Do you understand me? 
Yes. Sheridan tells Londo about the semi-organic pods they found in his ships. I will, however, remind you that as the losing party of this war, you will make reparations to the Alliance worlds that your ships attacked. We may be able to mitigate that slightly. Oh? We believe that most of your ships engaged in hostile actions were under the control of some kind of leftover shadow technology. We found some semi-organic pods that control the ships long distance. Yes, I am aware of them. The Regent bought them on the black market as insurance against mutiny. Old news. But why didn't you... If you want us to find Delenn for you, I suggest you allow us to do it before one of our other ships finds her and finishes what the first one started. Meanwhile, on Delenn's ship, Delenn and Linnea are contemplating uh, death. Linnea says there is one thing they can do. They could fire their ship's weapons and the recoil will push them towards the beacon. However, this could attract enemy ships. Delem fires the weapons. Unfortunately, they attract the enemy ships. The enemy's weapons start to charge up. And just as the weapons are about to fire, Linnea tells Delem that he loves her. And in true Star Wars fashion... I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> Absolutely. I thought, where have they got that line from? <laughs> <laughs> just then, a tractor beam from the ships is attached to the White Star, and they are saved. I'm going to read this out as it says it here, because this is exactly how it came out over the speech-to-text. Delenn tries to comfort Linnea by telling him she didn't hear what he said. Unrequited love is a star, 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 star. Okay. <laughs> or as I said, unrequited love is a bastard. Mm. <laughs> he bleeped it out. How dare you bleep me? That's funny. <laughs> Veer is trying to find Londo, which he does by which he does so by bursting into his quarters. Londo is extremely upset that he has done this. Veer asks why Londo is not in the royal suite, and Malari says to look out of the window and see the damage. How could he reside in the royal suite when outside is destroyed? Sheridan and Delenn and Jakar listen to Londo's inauguration speech. Have come through the long night of fire, pain and death. We have been gravely wounded, but we remain centauri. The Regent began the war with the Alliance, and that war is now over. The greater one. The war to rebuild our world and restore our place in the galaxy now begins. He blames Sheridan for the price they have paid. Sheridan and his Alliance have struck deeply at our people, exacting a terrible price in the lives of those who died during the night. Another great price must now be paid in the form of reparations, which will come close to ruining our economy. He says they are trying to break them. They wish to teach us a lesson, to break us, so that we will never again be a problem. Uh -oh. This punishment is unfair. It's a violation of our sovereign rights. But we will bear this burden, as we have borne so many before. We are no longer a part of the Alliance. We are alone. We fought alone, 
and we will rebuild alone. While the speech is happening, the drag is stood next to Malari, nodding gently. We will work even harder to show those who have come to humiliate us that we will not bow down. As a symbol of our new isolationism, I will walk alone to my inauguration. I will take on the burden of emperor in silence. The bells of our temples will sound all day and all night. The Centauri are united. Once for each of our people killed in the bombings. We are alone. Alone in the universe. But we are united in our pain. May the great maker be with you all. Londo says to Sheridan that they should leave as he wants the inauguration to be a closed ceremony. He appoints Veer as ambassador to Babylon 5 and prepares to become emperor. We then see a montage of the highlights of the last five years of Ambassador Londo Malari as the bells start to toll, one for each Centauri citizen killed in the attacks. I mean, there's millions killed. It was kind of annoying mm. too to listen to. Yeah, every, every, <laughs> yeah, every church, you know, or every, um, I can't remember what they call them now, uh, every place of worship ringing its bell. I suppose that's going to be a long time. Yeah. Delenn, Lita, Garibaldi, Franklin, and Sheridan are looking at the shadow technology that was brought back, which was bought on the black market by the regent. Franklin gives a speech about the ruins of San Diego. This little device scares me more than anything I've ever seen. Not for what it is, but what it represents. You ever been out to see the San Diego ruins? Well, I have. The thermonuclear device used by the terrorists to blow up San Diego could be traced right back to the breakup of the Soviet Union in the late 20th century. When they fell, all of their weapons ended up in the hands of smaller governments who didn't understand them, sure as hell couldn't build them, but were eminently willing to use them. The great thing about war is that it advances technology. They may be not be able to rebuild them, but they are certainly able to reuse them. bad thing about war is that most of those technologies are destructive, and once the war is over, those weapons are still around. Weapons like us. Yes, weapons like telepaths. And that thing there. And anything else that may have gotten out. And we know that the uh, shadows had hundreds of allies working for them. And we know that most of them, or all of them, got out before Zaha Doom exploded. Now, who knows what they took with them? How much of this technology is in the hands of people who don't understand it? Couldn't build it, but are willing to use it. The giants have left the playground, but they left their guns behind. All right, what about the Vorlon homeworld? Maybe they left something behind that we can use to our own advantage. Over a dozen ships have been sent there by various governments since the Vorlons left. They were all destroyed by the automatic defense systems before they even got close. The Vorlon homeworld is off limits. The Vorlon homeworld is off limits until we're ready. Until we've earned the right to go there. A million years from now. Don't ask. I don't know where that came from any more than you do. 
I just know it. Just then, Zach Allen joins the party. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mr. President, the captain thought you should know that the fighting here on the station has pretty much stopped. This entire surrender took most of the wind out of things. Good, good. Remember, Zach? He's on the show, too. Yeah, that's right. And he can't <laughs> understand why everybody has long faces. So why the long faces? Things are quiet, the attacks have stopped, and we won this entire war. What's the problem? Yes, we won the war. But what did we lose? Is, is that the end? You, you didn't talk about Londo sitting alone or, or walking towards it, the, uh, the inauguration chamber, which is conveniently not damaged at all. <laughs> well, it has to be bombproof. Otherwise, how do they inaugurate a new emperor if, if the place is all destroyed? You know, then where are they going to go? So that has to be like bombproof so they can, you know, like make a new emperor like, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> Okay, I guess Guessing. that explains Guessing. it all. That makes sense. And, and you know what else is a great explanation? This promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. As the temperatures get cooler, let's think back to a time where monsters fascinated our young minds. Where haunted houses and flying saucers were the stuff of fantastical dreams. Come relive those wonderful times with us every Monday at 5 p.m. It's Monster Attack on the ESO Network. And on to the trivia. As Londo emerged from the Royal Palace, rubble and debris could be seen scattered across the ground as a result of the Narndrazi orbital attack. As we see him proceed forward to his coronation, the pathways and streets ahead of him are perfectly clean and undamaged. Of course, if you're going to inaugurate the president or the emperor, it's got to be nice and clean and tidy. So, you know, get some people in, sweep up this mess. There's too much dust. You know, it might get on the robes, you know, get in the that. hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, that's it for the uh, trivia again. That's uh, it. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. We're Very really late thin. these last few weeks. Yeah. Mm. So are there any Star Trek connections, Sean? Uh, not as much as last week. Uh, we have one this week. We have Simon Billig, who played the Ranger, and he was in Star Trek Voyager in seven episodes as Lieutenant Hogan. Mm -hmm. There you go. Voyager's getting a lot of uh, people coming into this one, or mm. the other, or the other way around. Maybe they're going into maybe maybe they've got a, they've got a job here I'm like yes i'm in this uh, science fiction show uh, oh there's only three four episodes left um <laughs> you know, start hunting around for another one oh, voyager there you go we'll get into this one as well sure. wasn't hogan the one who gets eaten by the giant worm thingy when they get or is that a different guy maybe i i, I don't remember mm, voyager is okay. my least favorite star trek so it's hard it, to it, recall it, that one it yeah stick in the head yeah. yeah, a lot of them got killed off early on, didn't they? So it you know, mm -hmm. could be one of them. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, ratings. Uh, obviously, we rate our episodes out of 5, IMDb out of 10. IMDb have given this an 8.9, which is pretty good. 
so uh, that equates to 4.45, which is correct. Uh, so, Sean, what did you give this episode? I give it uh, a pretty good score, I think, Paul. Uh, this this episode was a little bit more straightforward. The plot was a little bit more streamlined than last week. We didn't have so many threads going on, uh, mostly about Londo, a little bit about the Len. Uh, it was uh, it was it was a good episode, better than last week. Although last week's was spectacular as well. I'm going to give this a four point seven five. Oh, and I can't wait to hear what Dan has to say about it because he's always very. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I waffle. Yeah, that, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I could do that though, because uh, I, I just don't have it in me. But it's you, it's you always have in, such good stuff to say. It's exactly. It's very intelligent waffle. Um, that's a good idea for a another podcast uh, anyway um yeah but sean that that 4.75 that you've given it has put this episode into your top 10 well what do you know well there Ooh. you go so dan no pressure what did you think <laughs> no no pressure uh yeah I, I enjoyed this episode it is a really good episode it's a great malari episode um we have obviously the whole love story for um lanier you know confessing his love I know, um, which for me was less interesting. I know we, 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 all the audience already know this, so mm -hmm. it's already there. So it wasn't as much, uh, as much of an investment for me as say last week where I was invested in every little storyline, all those threads coming together. It kind of lost it for me because yeah, we already, we've tread this ground before. Delenn is fully aware of, of the feelings of Lanier. It's just her acknowledging that she actually knows to him. Um, so again, it brings it, down a little bit in that it's the the big ramp up to the cliffhammer last week and now we're just coming in and resolving so it's not going to be better in my rating than last week's um, but still really good we see lando we see the dilemma that he's got the horrible thing that he's going to have to have the keeper there so he can't you know send out a secret message he can't let jakar know that you know these guys have got you know bombs underneath the centauri building so he can't actually send out any kind of warning to his friends about why he's acting this way and then he goes and acts like a, a complete dictator and says we're cutting off we have to rebuild we are no longer part of the alliance and does the complete unexpected thing um it's a shame that i don't know, i suppose we didn't have a moment where veer is like something isn't right and so we we start the thread there and then that veer is now going to investigate what's going on see what's there um whilst all the other characters are back home at bmb5 and saying that actually you know we've hit a roadblock well actually veer maybe now steps in and says well i've got a theory and then we go on that sort of journey now um so we're gonna have to wait for that to come back in um but yeah, I, it's a great episode. It, it feels again like we've stuck with Babylon 5. We are nowhere near the horrible dregs that started this season. It's a good, solid episode. So I'm going to go a little lower, but it's still a really good one at 4.6. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's a good score. Um, yes, uh, I like this episode. I like it a lot. It is, uh, I think, a little bit better than last week's episode because it really finishes off what we started so it's you know it is the the ending to the you know it's part two of, of last week's part one malari has finally becomes emperor but you know he's emperor of all he surveys but what does he survey it's absolutely nothing he's you know, he's got there in the end but has it been worth the, the you know the journey is the you know the reward really a reward he's now realizes that 
He's got nothing to to rule over. He is not really the ruler. He's now just a figurehead. And we see that in the in the last um, scene, which uh, Sean mentioned uh, earlier. You know, we, we see him sat on the throne, and the camera pulls away, and the and it, uh, he is now the emperor. There you go. It's all yours. And it's congratulations. Just, yes, mm. you you finally got. You know, this is the end of your journey. All you have to look forward to now is being killed by Jakar in twenty years. Yeah, yeah, and you got to <laughs> wait for that as well. So yeah, it's 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 a sad thing, really, and and. Did he really? I suppose did he really deserve this this story arc? I mean, it was he starts off as like this really sort of fun loving, you know, uh, having a joke, you know, throwing money at the at the roulette wheels and drinking all the time, and you know, having a great time. To suddenly, it's just all falling apart. The higher up he's gone in the ranks, it just gets worse and worse for him. So, uh, yeah, but I like the um, yeah, the, the whole uh, way that. Really, this was all sort of predetermined, so that he was always going to become emperor. The war was going to end. It wasn't really him that ended it. It was already going to happen because the keepers said it was going to happen that way. The Drac had been, you know, moving it all in this direction, so they can now take over the Centauri Prime and and rule it with Centauri slaves, so they can do their work, whatever that work is. I assume dominating the whole galaxy is their plan, as most evil people are. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a good good uh, episode, a good uh, nice little finishing off um, uh, to to the to the to the mini arc. Would have been nicer if we'd been building up to this from the start of the season, as Dan said, and not fanning around with with telepaths and what have you. Um, but we get what we get. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give this a four point six, exactly the same as Dan. Hey, so there you go. So. Uh, it's um, which uh, you two have got it in your top ten. I have not quite got it in my top ten, which surprises me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have given higher uh, scores out elsewhere and a lot of other episodes. So yeah, there you're you just willy nilly with the fives. And oh, uh, early on, yes. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've really got to be going some now to get to get into my top ten. So wow, I hadn't realised that. There you go. Okay, so I think that's the end of this episode. Join us again next week when we will be discussing uh, Season 5, Episode 19, The Wheel of Fire. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three, spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Now, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. Centauri Prime is being battered by the Norman Drazi. Is that is that Norman Drazi? Is that you, Norm? Norm, what are you doing? All right, Norman Drazi, you all right? Coming over here, Norman. All right, Norm. Norman, oh, Norman, God. coordinate, Norman, coordinate. <laughs> oh wait, that's another series. Never mind. What's Norman got to do with Norman? Norman, Norman Drazi. He's got. I'm just picturing someone with like oh. ginger curls right. on the Drazi makeup. He's just like, oh, I'm Norman. Norman Drazi, you're yeah. right. So it's it's my uh, speech to text uh, business. I'll uh, rephrase that. Centauri Prime is being battered by the Narn and Drazi for- forces. 
non-Andrade, not Norman. Anyway, battered by the Norman Norm, Norman Drazi <laughs> forces. Yeah. Is it the Norman, Normans? Norman Drazi. Like Norman works down at the docks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for goodness' sake! It's just one, one Drazi just punching the Centauri <laughs> over and over again. Get off one me, Norman Drazi! Oh, <laughs> I told you not to use my first name. <laughs> It's the spin-off show they've been trying to get all of season five with all the other little teasers throughout all the other episodes. But the one that actually got it was Norman Drazi, P.I. So, <laughs> bruh, bruh, I'm Norman Drazi. Sorry. Um, carry on. Yeah. No, no, so, I want to hear more about Norman Drazi, P.I. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> yeah. Does he drive a Ferrari? Is it? Is it red? He drives. It's like a miniature white star, and it drives him. But it's got wheels on the bottom, and he he leaps over the the hood of the miniature white star. And I'm oh, I'm Norman Drazi, PI. Yeah. Has he got a tash? He's got yeah, and a Hawaiian shirt. It's a Hawaiian shirt, but it's green and purple on on both sides. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, sorry. Carry on, carry on, carry on. We we won't get the episode finished if I keep That's on with good. Norman Drazi. <laughs> This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.